Blog Talk Radio.
Well, here it is, another wonderful. Well, I guess they could call it a wonderful week where the season's about to begin. For those of you that are Argo fans, though, that won't start until next week. They get the first buy of the week. And in talking to the Argos, the players and the coaches, they welcome the opportunity to not start the season right away. It gives them an opportunity to prepare a little better for the season. Now, what kind of season are going to have this year? Well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be the kind of season that it is every year. Uh, hopes, aspirations, beliefs become reality for some, usually few. Then the reality just can't uh, cut it. And, and I guess this is the part of the year where we all get the chance to think, if you're a fan, that the team will cut it, will be a of championship caliber, or at least playoff caliber, leading to an opportunity to win the chance bug that everybody buys for, the oldest trophy in professional sports. And we do all enjoy watching the games, even though maybe our teams don't look like they might be dynasties in the make. But I got to tell you, as much of the negative that I just said right now matters, and just as much of the negative may impose, you know, may impose on your thinking, the one thing that's for sure, you never know. And that's why we watch, isn't it? Isn't that why we watch? We watch because we never know. And i tell you something. Um, this year has been a real, real – have you ever been distracted and uh, you know, doing things and not get to do what you really want to do because life gets in the way? Well, I'm having that kind of couple of weeks, month, whatever, and um, uh, I'm I'm in a, a state of emotional disheveledness, if that makes any sense. To any. <laughs> uh, so it, it's kind of difficult to do what I want to do, and one of the things I want to do is do this show, do it, and prepare for it all I can. Uh, well, sometimes things conspire against you and you don't get a chance to those of you that live out in the wilderness wherever that wilderness is it doesn't necessarily have to be the kind of wilderness that I'm living in uh, but could be a wilderness by your own definition where you live much like the teams when they start their season the team are in a wilderness really don't know where they're going to end up but what they do and what they've done before today starting today, and then again tomorrow and the ensuing days where you play your first game of the season, where you get your first test to see what did the preseason yield? What did the general manager bring to his team? What did the coach, as far as assisting coaches are concerned, bring to the team? This is when we get to find out where management, what they did, how they did, and why they did it, whether it works out or not. But it's the toughest part of the season for the fans because, you know, we're on pins and needles wondering what is going to happen next. It, will our quarterback be the quarterback we hope he will be? Will we get stung by injuries and terrible things that might happen? Or players retire suddenly. That's been known to happen in the Canadian Football League where players retire suddenly without any warning. That happens as well. So it's the time of the year right now, the beginning of the season, where a lot can happen, and most of all, much can change. And that change is what makes being a sports fan so much 
fun, and and it is what makes it very very enjoyable. And uh, I got to tell, so I'm I'm up north um, for the sake for the sake of of discussion. Uh, for those of you that that live in Canada, we all know that Toronto is the big smoke. It's the big city along with Vancouver, and then you have your 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 less big cities, but great cities, all of them in the CL. Great and pretty soon we'll be in the East Coast as well. The league will at least. We all have our own definition of living in wilderness. In Toronto, in the wilderness, maybe I'm trying to think of a you know King City or Oshawa or um place like that like Kitchener, because of what Toronto is. Not not saying that Kitchener and Oshawa and, and others like that are, are, are the wilderness, but I have to tell you, when you were born and raised in the city of Toronto and you grew up watching that city grow and expand and become bigger and be, be have everything that the world has to offer right there within a bus ride, a subway ride, short ride, check out. One of the things that's that's hard to believe sometimes, having said that, the Canadian Football League is, is really an enigma within itself. We have now the wilderness definition, in my opinion, is happening in Montreal, where we always we're always concerned about Toronto and Toronto's ability to support a team. Will the team be able to move forward? Well, in the past couple of years, and I say as I as I as I posted uh, before, when I got when I received the season tickets that I, that I get from the Argos, I not just I don't just cover the team. I also have season tickets. Needless to say, I pretty much don't use the season tickets. I, I'm going to start giving them away to people. I'll figure out a way to to give them to people so that people can come to the game and enjoy uh, the Canadian Football League. So the Toronto Argonauts find themselves in kind of a wilderness, or at least found themselves in a kind of wilderness. I, I believe that that wilderness is now gone. There is no wilderness. The, the beauty of, of the Canadian Football League right now in Toronto is they have an ownership that is, well, has the wherewithal to handle financial you know, situations that may be other owners less deep in pockets that might not be able to, to do with stand or or be able to in a way that, that a bigger bigger company can you know you know it's like what they say about the banks uh, bigger banks can't fail. I found out that to be true that it, they can't so what I guess what I'm trying to say is Toronto has found itself creeping out of the wilderness and the proof to me was the season ticket package that was sent out to all the season ticket holders. I have amongst CFL fans general, needless to say, the Toronto Argonaut fans, and people who generally don't really buy Argo C tickets or season tickets, even they uh, were kind of, oh, they gave you that when you bought your season ticket package, the beautiful scarf, obviously, then, then the pin, and then the, then the patch. And then, and then, of course, um, the tickets, which are always what you're looking for, was a pretty good, really was a pretty good score for buying a season ticket. Paris, you got two of each. So here's the thing. 
they seem to have worked, the Argos along the LSD have seemed to have worked their way through, well, let's be honest. Prior to MLS owning the team, the team was in flux. You know, Braley wanted to sell the team. We know he was looking for someone. He wanted to make sure he sold it to the right kind of owners. And he found what he felt, obviously, if that's his goal, and the and now Messi was the team the, the organization that he chose, then obviously he chose that organization based on the best uh, possible fit. Off the start, because of the missteps by the organization prior to switch from Braley to MLSC, there were some missteps. The team had no practice facility, had a practice facility, had no practice facility, had a practice facility. Had home games, had home games on the road, and so on. And it became something of a concern uh, to people within the fan base and those covering the Toronto Argonne simply because, simply, no other reason other than everybody wants to see, everybody wants to see Toronto succeed because Toronto succeeding is a good thing for the CFL. So now the CFL is straightened out. Good news. They're straightened out as far as uh, the Toronto Argonauts are concerned. That is what I'm saying. I think they're on a good footing. I think uh, they will be just fine. Um, we will all, all be better off for a better Toronto Argonaut organization. So what happens at the beginning of this year? A few years ago, a friend of mine referred to an article were sold. They referred to the team as being sold, actually handed to uh, the Canadian Football League. Someone referred to it as the owners threw the keys on a desk and said, see you later, we're leaving. It seems as much to me that we're seeing history repeat itself, except this time it's bilingual and it's coming out of Montreal. How difficult the situation is the fact that the Montreal Alouettes don't have an owner that isn't the league. They have owners, probably they're working on them. Uh, from what we understand and what we're being told, there are interested parties. And, and that's ultimately what you're looking for, right? You're looking for an interested party. And that, that interested party turns out, if, if it turns out ownership, I have uh, the belief and the faith that that I think the organization that is the Canadian Football League, they will they will have an appropriate they will they will have an appropriate owner takeover. But for now, you know, they have themselves an organization that needs to get a foothold in Montreal. It's very important. Without that foothold, without that belief, here we go again. This is the time of the year where fans are looking for hope. This is the time of the year when fans are looking for the belief that there's hope. This is the time of the year when we actually talk ourselves into supporting the team. And in this case, the Montreal's great fan base, incredible fan base, criticized because they don't turn out when the team doesn't win. That, to me, isn't a fair criticism. They do come out, but if the team is a bottom feeder for year after year after year, you can't accuse them, accuse them of not coming out because they're, you know, as losing. That's not losing. That's a little worse than losing. 
there has to be a minimum of up and down so that the fans believe that their organization and their team is capable of winning games so that when you go to the game, you get to cheer. I think we can all agree that if there's nothing to cheer about, it makes a lot less fun to go to the game. So what do we have in Montreal? We have an opening for an, for an ownership. Then all of a sudden, at the witching hour, midnight, prior to season, the last possible moment, Ari Jones is trotted out as the new head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. I guess you're seeing a theme. For me, the most important thing as the season begins, we'll get on to the other stuff, is the fact that we have the Eagles are looking in a good place. Montreal concerned about and the third of the three big cities in Canada, the BC Lions. They have brought in Mike Riley, MVP, MOP, probably as good as Bo Levi Mitchell, the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League, to BC. And the reason, again, the BC Lions are having a little trouble drawing. Now, I'm starting negatively on the show for the beginning of the season because, honestly, I'm concerned. And, and, and the reason I'm concerned, and I'm concerned for the Canadian Football League, is that for some reason, the big cities in Canada aren't working out. Now, is that important? Well, if you're in Regina, you say, well, most people say, well, we don't need you guys. Right? Um, they're in Hamilton. We don't like Toronto anyway. But here's the reality, and I'll draw a parallel. The Toronto Raptors are playing for the NBA championship, and the the viewership for the championship is is down this year. Well, it's down because this is a Canadian team of very little interest in the United States. And it's not just about it being a Canadian team. We're talking as well. There's other small market teams don't draw in the NBA Finals, the NBA hopes and prays every year that it's New York, L.A. It's New York, L.A., numbers go up. So what's what am I trying to say, and what does that point out to you? It points out to you that the big markets are what drive television ratings. And television ratings are what drive a league's impressions, okay? And when I say impressions, it's a term used in many ways. Impressions, how many people are actually paying attention? Attention to championship. How many people are actually paying attention to the game? How many are watching? How long are they watching? And then there's the impression that nobody cares, or that not enough people care, or how do we get people care? And that's what happens when the ratings are down. Now in the NBA, it's not that big a concern. It really isn't. By virtue of how their TV ratings work during the regular season. A parallel again. That works well in the Canadian Football League as well. But what doesn't work and what doesn't play well is if nobody's watching during the season and if nobody's going during the season or not enough people are going. So we've got BC's on the, well, on the clock this year. Am I stating something in the bad news? Is it negative? Is it something people don't want to hear or talk about? Of course it is. It's difficult for us to hear people talk about the concerns 
is in British Columbia and in Montreal, simply because it's not a subject that people want to talk about. And unfortunately, someone has to talk about it. Someone has to be candid about it. And frankly, I don't mind doing it live. So we've got Toronto going okay this year, at the beginning of this year. We've got Montreal with concerns, just change coaches. That doesn't help in selling tickets. That doesn't help in, in inspiring confidence in the organization. That is not an insult to Carl Jones. He's, a, he's been – he's one of the guys that I think was labeled as, as a head coach. So it's, it's not a desperation. It wasn't a desperation move, but it was a move that didn't look like it was well orchestrated. But it is what it is. And there have been quotes from, from the Montreal organization, people within it, around it, with a chance to win. That one quote that was floating around. I guess that's the former coach not getting a lot of support from certain people. But that, that takes care of that organization. And as I said, BC, um, Mike Riley and a winning team might resolve things there and make things a little better. And that's where we are in the big picture in the Canadian Football League as we begin the season. Uh, Hamilton, as strong as ever. Ottawa, they should be okay too. There's going to be some trepidation in the, in that city in, this, in supporting that team because they're really not sure the quarterbacks. I don't think that's an issue there. I think they've got it's more than just about, about the quarterbacks in Ottawa. We talked about Toronto. So the Eastern teams are taken care of. We talked about BC moving further east. We go uh, to Edmonton, and when we go to Edmonton, Trevor Harris, formerly in, in Ottawa, has something to prove. Can he be the guy that maintains the quarterback quotient, the quarterback level that that organization has grown accustomed to? By organization, I mean people that run the team and the people that follow the team. So I'm sure the fans there are saying themselves, well, this guy's a pretty quarterback. So, you know, we might have lost Mike Riley, but Trevor Harris is pretty good, and he should be a guy that that helps us out and, and makes us a pretty good team. And, and he very well could do that. And, and how he does that will be seen. Uh, they have great receivers out there. That um, will be will have to be. You know, as much as we like to throw credit towards quarterbacks, the offensive line is pretty key, man. Receivers, quarterback, offensive line. For you to have a real good chance of having a great offense and the games. Calgary. What can one say about Calgary as we stand right now? We've watched the play, and no matter what happens, it doesn't seem to matter what happens, whether it's injuries, they keep next up. You know, it's, it's a term that we all use as far as Calgary is concerned because that's what it seems to be always about, next man up. The issue, of course, with this year is a little different um, than previous years. They have lost a, a defensive coordinator. They have lost a number of defense players. 
cornerstone defensive player. This is going to be an interesting season by experts. And by experts, I mean the panel with the TSN. I, don't, I think they pretty much all agree that the team's going to be. And I concur, and I and I think it's fair to say that, that they'll – I think you can't, you can't count them out. They're the great cup champs, defending great cup champs now. And I, I can't see them not doing really well. Then that brings us to Saskatchewan. Now, you know, as you know, I have some friends in Saskatchewan. I've always enjoyed visiting Saskatchewan. I've always enjoyed interacting with writer fans. I, I, I have an affinity because – that town has the passion for their CFL team. Like I wish Toronto had a passion for their CFL team. I'm a little green with Andy when it comes to the way the Canadian Football League is appreciated in Saskatchewan. And, and if you have any doubt as to how devoted the fans are and how impressive devotion for the team is, all you have to do, and if you haven't done it yet, watch this year. Listen to the players that come to play for the team that have played elsewhere for many years. The enthusiasm with which players come to Saskatchewan is deafening, and they really do. And you will see it. You know, you you will see that the, the players that have gone, they get really excited. So there's passion in Saskatchewan. They now have a coach who hasn't been a head coach before. He's the brother of Dickinson. What kind of coach is he going to be? Well, this isn't a guy who just started yesterday coaching. He has been he has been around, has garnered a lot of experience. And that experience has always been positive. And it's no surprise that he's the head coach there. That team Every FCFL team depends on a quarterback. Zach Caleros is, when healthy, an indisputable top three quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Top three. I would put him up there with Harris. When healthy. So the challenge for Saskatchewan is the health change that is Trevor Harris, uh, his friend, Zach Caleros. They're good buddies. Will he stay healthy? Will he be healthy? Deep on concussion protocol um, too many times? Has he had a hiatus from concussions? Um, the injury that took him out last year? Will it happen this year? That really will tell the story of whether, whether Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I remember, they lost to Winnipeg. And I think Winnipeg is, is everybody's pick to be the favorite to go to the Great Cup this year. I'm not I'm not throwing out the Argos making it to the to the Great Cup for obvious reasons. If, if I were to look at them and say who else might be there. Right now, Hamilton is the pick in the East. So, if it isn't the Argos, it'll probably be Hamilton and Winnipeg in the Grey Cup. Those are the those are the, the favorites right now. But that's before the season started. 
that's looking at the way the teams were built and the way they were playing last year and how they end their season. And that's where excitement for those organizations where it hinges from. But as I said, there are a lot of teams that have a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope that develops based on how the season starts and the players that are one year older, like Andy Pipkin in Montreal. Uh, he's a guy that has uh, proven to be, at least last year for the most part, until some what some might suggest is having a book on him, has looked very good. You're listening to Candid Blackfell Talk. I'm Candid Frank. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk more specifically about the teams and how we think they will do. And we'll talk specifically in the games. We've talked about generally speaking. Now let's talk about the games and what we have to look forward to. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back right after this. It's a legacy. It's a legacy. years in the making of undefeated seasons and Grey Cup wins. Old records broken and new records made. The players who gave it all on the field to lead our team to victory. Find out what legends will be born this year. Stamp season tickets start at just 139 Get yours at Stampeders.com. Be a part of the ongoing legacy. Sam Peters Football, Calgary's Horsepower. The lines of scrimmage in the Canadian game are a yard apart rather than on the tips of the ball. How do you okay. think that would affect play? Hey, you know, the, the difference is, hey, hey, NFL, we're like this, right? Right, right here, you're going inside, boy, you're going to get it. Right. You're going right. outside, I'm going with you, right? Right. Okay, but in ball, now I, now, now I got to square up. I got to score up and look at you, right? And when you start to make a move, then I'm going to turn my hips, all right? You're going to go, I'm going to go. Go, 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 go. There you go. Oh, yeah, get out of there. Get out of there. You got it. That's football, Canadian style. <laughs> How you doing today, sir? Right on. You, uh, you think the NFL going to three downs is a good idea? You like a 20-second play clock? Yeah, no fair catch rule up there. A lot more scoring. CFL. Thanks a lot. Not getting much out of this guy. CFL. That's where the action is. It's all about being Canadian, you know? I met Clemens one night, uh, pinball, and uh, there was about 10 of us, and uh, he remembered everybody's name when he left. He said, Chris, see you later. Mark, see you later. Tim, see you later. And he remembered everybody's name. I was so taken back by that. I was like, you know, here's a person that doesn't have to know who you are, but chooses to because he knows, you know, you're important. It's about being a person. It's what you can do with it, not what you can get out of it. And I think that's good. That's what I like about the CFL. Yeah. Well, now, are you sure there's any fish in here at all? Because <laughs> we haven't latched into one today yet. Tired of sitting on the <laughs> sidelines? Want to be part of the game? Be a fifth Be radical. 
The CFL is back and more radical than ever. The action never stops. It's hard-hitting, high-scoring football. Get in the game. Wear the attitude. Go, go, go. Be offensive. Be radical. CFL football. Get in the game. Never the more popcorn. Yes. Be radical. CFL football. It is what it's all about here. Well, we've got a couple of interesting games going on, and uh, those games, of course, are Saskatchewan and Hamilton, and that's a game that we'll get an opportunity to see how the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders develops uh, the organization and how they can play against Hamilton. In this one, I really believe that Saskatchewan isn't quite as ready as Hamilton to start the season. Hamilton's at home. Hamilton will be hungry. And Hamilton's a set team uh, at the beginning of the season in regards to the main components of their, their team. Uh, they have they have their offense and their defense pretty much set. Uh, their new head coach, of course, uh, is not really a new head coach. He's been in the Canadian Football League for years, so it's it's not a it's not a big surprise, you know. It, it is something that this team will be the team to beat in the East. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Some of you are saying, "Oh no, not Hamilton," but you know what? They've got they've got it coming. It, it's it's what uh, they've done. And also, uh, for those of you that will join the game. Uh, they've also started the game a half hour early. If you haven't noticed, uh, it's going from a 7.30 start to a 7 o'clock start. And when the game ends, they will uh, open the gates to passers-by, walkers in to watch uh, the Toronto Raptors try once again to win the championship of the NBA against the Golden State Warriors. So you'll be able to watch that game. That'd be a lot of fun. For me, the, the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, what they have um, over Saskatchewan. They have a system that they're most uh, ready to play. They have a defense that I is very good. And the way they play, they're very aggressive. And they didn't look that good against the Argos in the preseason. Their de- defense looked a little suspect. But it was preseason. You know, it's a situation where your best players are playing their best players. There, there was a lot of configuration going on, configuring players in a way to see if they're capable of being number one. In other words, starters. And and the Argos are, are a team that are well coached, and they'll be they're ready to go as far as emotionally is concerned. Corey Chamberlain is one of the best emotional tacticians in the Canadian Football League. One of the best. Uh, emotional leaders uh, from the coaching position that I've had the pleasure to cover. And he is very well respected by his players, very well respected by his general manager, has a lot of input into the general manager and the kind of players that he wants and gets those kinds of players. He, he is a coach who believes that it, it's all nothing. That's the way you play. You give your all. If you don't give your all, you won't year and that's not something that uh is you know to sneeze at so i think that loss to to toronto was one that toronto was more prepared for that game than hamilton Uh, when saskatchewan comes in the big thing for saskatchewan is will caleros be able to play if caleros is healthy this game is a toss-up 
Caleros is healthy and plays this game with the ability, you know, his God-given ability, no handicaps, no, no, you know, um, playing injured, if you will. This game's not, it's not going to be decided that easily. This could be a game that goes either way. And so either way is because of Caleros. It's that simple. I really believe in this guy. And anybody who thinks that his career is over, ah, you're welcome to that opinion. Now, I'm not saying it's over till I see him decide it's over. But, but, and this is a, if he does not survive playing the first half of the season, if he ends up injured real early in the season, if Saskatchewan doesn't come up with Land B, their fans will not be impressed. So this game, Hamilton and Saskatchewan is as big as they get for this early in the season. The next game has Montreal and Edmonton. Uh, like I said, I'm calling that one a 50-50, but I'm probably giving the edge. Well, like I said, 50-50 Saskatchewan and Hamilton. Montreal and Edmonton. Well, they just got their new coach. Edmonton Harris knows Montreal very well. He knows their defense. He knows the East. And Edmonton has a great opportunity to be one of the better teams in the league under Harris. don't know what happened to Riley last year, but I'm beginning to think that his heart and his mind was in playing in Edmonton. It sure, the results surely don't defy that comment. He just wasn't. He wasn't all there with the team. And that's something that's difficult if the rest of the team gets that feeling. It wasn't planning on coming back, and people felt he wasn't going to come back. That's a bit of an emotional drag on, on the team. So don't know if that was the reason, because I'm going to keep repeating this. I don't understand how a, a quarterback that good can't get his team into the playoffs. I'm still puzzled by that. Can Montreal come out of the gate in a hurry? Well, the one thing they have as an advantage here is, you know, adrenaline. They've got a new coach. They want to play well for this coach. You know, they come out as hard as they'll ever come out this season. Shame on them. They should be able to. But I don't think it'll be enough to beat Edmonton. Edmonton's offense is that good. Their defense, nothing to shake a stick at. I'm pretty good at the defense as well. I give this one to Edmonton, and I'm not saying it'll be a, a big, 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 big scoring game, but it'll be interesting. The next game is all in Calgary, and, you know, the, the history between these two teams is, yeah, very, 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 very interesting. The past few years, a couple of great cups. Each team has won it once. Each team has done it under weird circumstances. In the case of, you know, of, of Calgary, weird, weird weather, slippery field. People forget about that. That field was a nightmare to play on last year for the Grey Cup. But I got to say the players played really well on it, considering it. if you knew how slippery that field was, the way it looked on television – they did a masterful job of, of working with 
a real trouble in the field. And that's not a slight on Edmonton in any way, but it was a skating rink out there. So Ottawa and Calgary keep playing these games. And if you noticed a couple of years ago, they had two ties. Are they in a position to tie right now? I think Calgary has the year. As much as they're in a building phase on defense, Ottawa's on a building phase on offense and maybe a little bit on defense as well. Uh, you can't help but pick Calgary in this one. And I think this Calgary's going to win is because of their offense. And it'll be a, a it'll be if 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 Ottawa can muster some offense, it'll be a shoot 'em up. Winnipeg is in British Columbia. These are two teams who should be vying for first place in the Western Division. They should be. Winnipeg, by virtue of being set at quarterback, best quarterback combination, Nichols. Traveler. Don't think there's a better combination in the league. DC, Mike Riley. We're going to find out how good that team is with Mike Riley. And Deron Carter on BC. Can Deron Carter convince or ensure that his offensive coordinator thinks enough of him and that he's enough of a team player and is willing to do what he needs to do and not you know not get into the the commentary that that irritates coaches the reason Saskatchewan let him go when he went to Toronto was because he complained about how many receptions he got and how many Neymar Roosevelt got how many targets you can't do that kind of stuff it's going to be over that kind of stuff's got to be over. Deron Carter has to be more mature. And if he is, if he is more mature, one heck of an addition to the British Columbia Lions. You know, Arsenal is gone. He's gone to Saskatchewan. Big play receiver. Deron Carter could be the guy that they count on. Again, you know, maybe um, the locker room there is is very um, loose. Not in a bad way, in a good way. These are guys that do, not recently, but have done in, in the past couple of years, the videos, music videos at the airport, live from the airport. They've done all kinds of things like that. They're a fun team. They're a fun team. On, and their fans uh, really enjoy the team and, and the way they behave and the way they are kind of a fun team, not so stressed, which works into Duran Card, I think, more favorably than anywhere else he's been. Well, he's tried, coaches have tried the, the tough love approach, the get out of my group approach. Let's ignore them like they did in Toronto. Not use them like they did in Toronto. We'll see now what this approach in BC. Uh, and, and I really think that uh, Winnipeg is ready to make a challenge for the for the great game. But BC will be a really good challenge. This will be a great game. And even though, even though they both have really good defenses, this is going to be an offensive 
it's going to be an offensive display. Uh, it's going to be really enjoyable. I'm going to get a kick out of watching this game. This game's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We have an opportunity, of course, uh, every season, every year, to remind ourselves of the great years that some players have had, to remind ourselves of the kinds of players that have done so much for our game, for our league. And in this one, two guys that come to mind, the first two guys that come to mind in my mind, Kevin Glenn and Key Ray, both long-lasting quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League, both in different ways established themselves. Kevin, as a guy that's been to a few places and has been a great backup quarterback. Unfortunately, that seems to be what history will show, uh, that that he was a great backup quarterback. When Calgary went to the Great Cup in 2012, he wasn't the guy that was supposed to start, but he did. And Calgary didn't win. Argonauts won in 2012. Wherever he's gone, he's been a wonderful addition to the team. The team had a quarterback that was injured. Darian Durant. Saskatchewan. When he went to Montreal, same thing. Went to Edmonton. He was there, ready to back up Mike Riley. In case something happened, but Mike Riley was healthy, so it wasn't a big, big problem. Well, it seems time has run out him, and, and now he's left. Ricky Ray, I don't know what you can say about Ricky Ray other than the class act that he is, the great player that he was throughout his career, the winner that he was, the stoic, I don't know, nothing bothers me. Let's just play. Let me. Do, no, there's no need to get all excited. We'll just make this one pass. Oh, yeah, touchdown. I guess we win the Grey Cup because of the pass. He seems to not do too much, but what he does is amazing. It's amazing what, what he does with, with what looks like not too much. For Ricky Ray, being close to him the past few years, quite a few years, actually. My impression of Ricky Ray and what makes him a Hall of Fame is how he did not lose games. That was the strength that I think he had in his career, where he was dependable, what protected the ball, was smart with his passes, was smart with his reads. You know, he had... Go. He had that amazing record, a percentage of reception. My, my goodness, you know, this, this is what he's going to be known for, and that is being an accurate passer who makes very few mental mistakes, if any, but was taken away from us late in his career because of injuries. For goodness sake, a punctured lung. That is not a football injury. Scary, but it's not a football injury. So Ricky finally decides to... He turns up next. Has It has to be in the coaching rank somewhere. There's no doubt in my mind that that's where he'll end up. 
belong. That's where he will be. And we'll enjoy his coaching ability in the near future. Now, there will be a to Toronto where there will be a those of you that are Ricky Ray fans, keep um, your ear on that one in case you want to enjoy, as I will enjoy him and, and have to talk to him and, and, and say thank you for all it's done. And you all, football fans, who appreciate he transcends being a MO argonaut. He is someone that I think everybody in the Canadian Football League respects and thinks very, very uh, highly of. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue. And, well, we're going to have a visit to Darrow's. He's promised to be on at 9. Let's talk to him. See what they do on off weeks, on bye weeks. How does he feel his season is going? What's it like on the inside? Well, that was him now. Maybe he wants me to call. I'll take a short break and we'll be back right after this. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. To CFL Talk. I'm Candid Frank. You're listening to CFL Football Conversation. Hope you enjoy it. There's an unwritten code in Hamilton. If you live by it, chances are you've replaced the last beer in a cooler. You don't talk during the national anthem. You believe that great things can come from a little room above a fruit stand. You know Mac is a university, not a computer. Your child's first words were Oski Wee Wee. You know a red hat looks good with black and gold and understand that double blue only looks good on the police. You believe hot water isn't a necessity for the visitor's dressing room. You've hit every green light on Main Street twice. You believe there's a little general in all of us. You only wear your good hard hat to games. You know King Kong was more than an ape. He was a five-time all-star. You've parked on somebody's lawn to catch a kickoff. You know that Porter is a quarterback, not a bellhop. You've worn a kilt to a football game. You understand that every once in a while you have to be the center. You believe a football team can outlast 22 prime ministers, two world wars, a great depression, and still give birth to a pearl. You've worn a garbage bag as a raincoat. You've never seen a fair catch. You pick a concession line not based on how long the line is, but how hot that cashier looks. You understand that Labor Day is more than an extra day off. And no matter what happens on the field, your season is a success if you beat the Argos. There you have it. There you have it. That would be uh, an old Thai Cat radio thing, which is probably inappropriate days. But that's neither here or there. Um, we won't stick to that. We'll just enjoy the CFL seasons upon us. Joining us uh, as just time to time, uh, Zach Zach Maderos. Hey, Zach. How's it going, buddy? Hey, not too bad, man. Thanks for having me on again. All right. Well... Here's 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 a quick. We'll start by talking about uh, what is it like having a bye week from a player's perspective. Oof. Well, you know what? They actually never give us the entire week. So normally it's like four or five days off. So you really have to make the most of it. It also depends on which side of the country you're on. I mean, if I was playing out west, I'd probably just stay there. Um, but 
since I was in Toronto before, like especially last year, I always went back to London uh, for a few days there to see the family, play with my nephew a little bit. Um, so that was great. Um, but for the people who live a long ways away, it's not it's not fun because you don't get the full week off. It's just you know it's a, it's just a nice few days. They kind of just let let the body heal a little bit and to get ready for game week the following week. Well, the coaches and coaches some players have, have suggested that it, it's helpful to have this bye week now. It gives you a, an extra little run at the first of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, especially with the Argos right now, I think they uh, well they actually started off with the bye week, right? Mm-hmm. So I right. think they're gonna. Yep they they practice through this week and then I don't like, again each each management each each team is different how they do it. Um, you know, Corey might be a little different than Trustman was last year. Maybe he'll, he'll give you, you know, close to the entire week off. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's always nice to have those. And I think, you know, with the new CBA and everything, I think they're actually going to start cutting back and doing only two bye weeks in the year now, um, which I was really a fan of the three. I mean, especially with how long our uh, season is, right? You're looking at it, it's a 22-week year. It's like the NFL where it's only 16 weeks, right? So you really need those extra couple of weeks just to kind of, you know, let, let some guys who are injured on the, on the IR kind of come back, right. Let, let them heal a little bit. So, but no, they'll be going back to two. Uh, tell us where you're at right now. Um, right now I am back in London, Ontario with my family, just, uh, just staying ready, just patiently waiting. I've, uh, since I got released uh, on Saturday, I've, I have been in contact with a couple of teams. But uh, nothing obviously concrete yet, just kind of, you know, playing on my options and waiting for the season to start up, which starts up tomorrow night. So, obviously, I'll be watching the games and, you know, I'll be kind of analyzing each game and each team, seeing how they're doing to kind of, you know, hopefully weigh on my options and kind of go on from there. But, yeah, right now I'm going to be sat up in London for the next little bit and see what happens from there. What what goes goes through your mind and and how do you deal with, you know, I, I mean, we all in life uh, face uh, different forms of rejection, different forms of, uh, um, let's say, a lack of approval. How was the mindset for you to help ensure that you, you know, you're ready to go and that you're going to be ready to go and you're still thinking positive? What do you What do you do to maintain that positive attitude that you can still be a professional football player? Well, you know, I, um, in in terms of getting released, I, I assume that's where you're getting at. Well, as a yeah, player, so, circumstances are different, right? There's different ways that you don't end up playing. You know, there's, there's injuries. There's, you know, yeah. all kinds of things, you know, that, that get in the way. And in the case of uh, being released, how do you maintain – what are you doing to maintain the positive attitude you need to advancing your career, to advance in your career? Sure. Um, you you know what? It's it's just one of the things that you know, being a pro and a professional athlete that that's kind of what you sign up for, right? You have to realize that hey, yeah, it's, it's exciting, and very few of us are very fortunate to get this opportunity. But at the end of the day, it's you know, there's no job security in in sports, right? I think some athletes tend to forget about that sometimes, and uh, I would say yeah, just you have to keep that even keel attitude all the time and just never let the highs get too high and the lows get too low and just keep soldiering on. I mean, for me anyway, 
my hardest time was probably getting cut after my, my first year in Edmonton. Um, just because I never had to deal with that before, right? I mean, if you weren't good enough to play, whether it's university or high school, like you're, you're always still going to be on the team. You just weren't maybe going to be on the field as much. But when you're told you aren't good enough and they're going to send you home, you know, it sucks. But after it happens once or twice, you know, you just have, you know, you let it kind of just, you know, you know, maybe weigh you down for the next couple of days and you have to kind of evaluate what went wrong and what you can do to kind of bounce back from that and move forward. And I just kind of told myself, hey, you know what? this probably won't be the last time I get cut and it probably won't be last time I, I sign with the team either. So I just have to keep, you know, soldiering on and doing the best I can and, and learn from those experiences that that led me to getting released. Right. So that, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So when the next opportunity does come up, I, you know, I know how to make that ad- adjustment and, uh, you know, perform well. So I don't have to deal with that hopefully for a long period of time again. We all, uh, you know, we all learn from, you know, many different things, right? What, what was your, what did you learn in this experience this time being in an Argo camp? And is there anything you take away from it that you can use moving forward? Your next step? Yeah, I mean, there's always something, right? Um, I would say, honestly, from this period of time, I mean, I've been in the league now for a little bit. Um, expect the unexpected pretty much. I'm not surprised by anything now. I mean, especially since we had five kickers in camp, I believe it was a five. Yeah. And that's the mm-hmm. first time I've ever been, been a part of five guys. Um, and I'll be honest, going into this camp when, you know, I, I was a bit annoyed, you know, I didn't think there was any reason to bring in five guys. And I, I didn't really care about getting to know anyone really other than the specialist I already knew. I just want to do my job and do the best I could, which, you know, I felt like I did that, but at the same time, we all got along very well and it, it could have went either way. We had, you know, it could have been one of those things where we have five guys and we're all going to, you know, kind of looking over our shoulders, see who's it coming for us and kind of be, you know, a bit, a bit sour towards the other I- individual. And, you know, especially with Donald coming in, you know, him as an example, as being a YouTube sensation, you know, he did a very good job keeping humble and not letting that get in the way. Cause in my mind, I thought, okay, you know, here's a 22 year old kid, coming in is this is probably you know fun to him right it's just a game but for me this is my job this is my you know well-being this is how I, I make my main this is my main source of income but once I got to know him and once you know he I like saw his work ethic and what he brought to the table I thought okay you know I know he's here for the same reason we all are you know it's not a joke to him like he wants to earn a spot just like any of us do um you know and we all got along great but I would say if I, if I were to take away anything from the Argos this year around and especially from this training camp is just you know, it hits sports really, honestly, in a, in a nutshell, just, you know, expect the uh, unexpected and just kind of go on from there. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I know. And you know, they, they, for the sake of edification for the listeners, Argo decided to keep Drew Brown and Ronnie Pfeff. Um I sat with Ronnie Pfeffer's parents for a little while uh, at the game in Hamilton and, uh, there, you know, there's more to being a football player than just, just what people see on the field. Uh, you have a family there following a, a player very closely. You know, there's a lot riding in it. The emotions, I, I'm, I'm assuming, can be almost more intense. I, I, I'm asking, is more intense for those around you than it is for yourself? You know, the, the, the not being able to play, the being released. 
Is it tougher for you to see the people around you that love you, care about you, support you, and, and, and don't like what's happening for you? Do they take worse than you do? And are there examples of that? I don't thousand percent, yes. thousand percent. Nine hundred a thousand percent. Every single game I play, you know, whether it was in Toronto, Ottawa, Edmonton, whatever the case is, you know, my mom can hardly watch any of the games just because, you know, and it also comes with my, my spot on the field as, as being a kicker, right? We're, we're very, you know, we're, we're under the microscope half the time, just, you know, we're judged off our misses or uh, makes, right? And I mean, it doesn't matter how well you're also doing as a specialist, you're always three misses away from having them bring in competition or find yourself on the street trying to look for another team. So she'll watch and she still comes up the games, but every single time I talk, she's like, Oh, you know, I hope you do well, obviously, but she is so nervous for me. And she, she doesn't understand. She's like, how do you do this? How, how do you put yourself through this? You know, day in, day out. It's so nerve wracking. Like she, she can't watch half the time. She has to change the channel when I'm, I'm playing on TV. And I'm like, <laughs> my dad will sit through the entire thing and watch the entire game. It doesn't really affect him. But my mom gets so nervous watching me. Like, mom, it's fine. Like, I, I remind her every single time, I'm able to take it. I'm fine. I've been through this. I, I'm able to handle it. Don't worry. But she's like, I'm not. I can't handle it. You're, like, still my boy. You're still my son. So, yeah, I would say the loved ones definitely pay for more than the athletes on the field. Absolutely. And it's not a surprise. And and there's, there's a lot riding, you know, there's, there's a lot riding, you know, along with a player is – and a player can deal what he has to deal with. A player can also handle the good and the bad. But it's harder for people on the outside to have what you're expressing. It's harder for them to have any kind of even-keeled approach to what happens to someone that they care about. So we always talk here, and we've talked over the years, how how important, how very important uh, support at the very beginning of one's football career you know how you start and the people who support you being parents family uh, coaches friends friends that you play with friends that you learn from there's a lot of people that are that are impacted by your career what do you say what do you say to them not just in at this time but what do you say to them on a regular basis whether you're playing or whether you're not playing it's not important uh, to discuss we, we, I think we've, we've, we've got the answer about, about being cut. But what kind of relationship do you have with people as a player, and how important are they in your life, and how much do they impact you on a day-to-day basis? Cool. I think just my way of, 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 of you know, approaching things with my colleagues and in, in, in sports, my teammates, is just, you know, I never look down on anybody. I don't think I – mistreat anyone in any way because I mean we're on, the, on that team with that same person whether it's competition or you know an, another spot in the field I, we are we're all there for, for the same common goal and that, that's to win the great cup period you know it's, it's like I said before when there's five guys then yes that was annoyed it's your it's a natural instinct right it's like if you're if you're a quarterback and they bring in five other QBs it shows that you know hey do they even trust me to get the job done right so it's always going to be kind of playing your back in your head a little bit but at the same time, you're also a pro. So you have to be able to shut that out and realize, hey, you know what? I'm here for a reason. I need to do my job. And as long as they're still on this team, they're also still my teammates. So whether you get along with them or not, you need to have that, that respect for them that you guys also share that same common goal, and that's to win a championship. And nothing less than that. 
How are you motivating yourself to get back into it? Jeez, I, I it doesn't take much, honestly. I mean, I love the game. I love everything that kicking brings to the game. Um, you know, staying ready. I, I, I've already worked out a few times since I've been back. I've, I've kicked a couple times because again, it, it, as this business is is crazy. You're, you're, you know, in as fast as you're out, and vice versa, right? So, I, I knew that, you know, based off of the camp I had, like I had a pretty solid camp. I thought I knew, hey, you know, I, I don't think it's gonna be long until I get another call from somebody. Um, so I'm just doing my best to stay ready, right, and just be smart about how I treat my body and. You know, just it, it does yeah, suck, just, obviously, playing the waiting game a little bit. But at the same time, it can happen at any moment. You know, when your phone goes off and say, "Hey, we need you to come out now," and you have to be ready to answer the bell. The kicking carousel has sped up the past few years. Let me tell you, in the Canadian Football League, yeah. doesn't surprise me they had five camps. Uh, it is <laughs> it is such a ten job, and, and the pressure. Talk to us about the pressure. Every kick is does the pressure. Like, I know that your career, you're getting down the road in your career, so maybe pressure automatically is enhanced, it, it grows. But is, is there am I just is there a spike in the pressure from being a kicker today because they moved the kickers back as far as, you know, the extra point is concerned? Have you, had, have you felt impacted by that rule change in any way? Well, yes and no. I mean... It's still a field goal. I think, obviously, you know, the percentage goes down because, obviously, before it was only a 12-yard kick. So, you're able to miss hit it or pull it, and it's still going to go through because it's only 12 yards out. Um, but, yeah, I think as, as a kicker, the, like, the mindset still has to be the same. So, for me, I was treated as, as a field goal. It's still going to be three points in my mind because I feel like when you start to get casual and start to treat it, you know, oh, okay, it's only a point after a touchdown, that, that's what might lead to some misses and whatnot, right? So, and I've had that happen to me even last year. I think I missed a couple of the 20 attempts I had or whatever it was. And that might have been because maybe I handled it a bit casually than I would uh, like a field goal because I felt like I was more dialed in on field goals. So my year going into it was, hey, it's a PAT, but in my mind, it's still field goal. I got to make it. I got to be as dialed in for those as I do for the field goals. Um, but that's pretty much it. But, you know, as far as the pressure and everything else, it's, you know what? they always give you, you know, sports type psychologists to call up and that, that's all well and great. Um, you know, breathing techniques for me definitely help, but you know what, Frank, I'll be honest with you. I could not tell you what I think about once I'm actually out there on the field. It's an absolute blur. I feel like I actually, I don't even think at all. I just already know what I'm doing. It's just second nature at that point, right? I go in, I'm not really focusing on breathing. It just kind of happens because I practice it so many times. I just kind of go through my motions, go, go through my technique and my routine to kind of slow down my heart rate. But once I'm back on the field, whether it's a make or a miss, I, I, I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about. I, I would just say, what the heck just happened? Just because I'm so used to it now that I don't really think about it. I just see it's tunnel vision. I just see the uprights. I, I see Mac as the holder. I see the ball, and I just, you know, eyes on the ball, just, you know, hips towards the goalpost, ball through, straight swing, and that's pretty much it. I don't really think about anything other than those things, and that's it. It's kind of automatic, I guess, muscle memory and such. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's got to be. It's got to be tough. Um, there, there are there are times, uh, you know, when um, you know rule changes, in my opinion, do impact on a on, on position, on a career, on a, on a on a player, and, and I think looking back. 
uh, that little bit also in recent memory and in recent years. We have a lot of teams that are going for the two-point conversion. Does that break your concentration? Does it make it? I think I think it should make it more difficult for a kicker to be a kicker because they're not called on on a more you know regular basis. It's such an erratic experience. I, I don't, don't know how you guys maintain your 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 you know your consistency under that microscope where you know all of a sudden you have less, less pressure for you to be more perfect, but you're not getting as many chances. If I can relate my question to a goaltender that doesn't make any that isn't asked to make any saves in the first period, and all of a sudden at the end of the period, if you get what I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think I do a little bit. You know what? It's the same thing. You have to be ready for anything. Um, it, it's very tempting for offenses now to go for two, obviously, because the ball is spotted at, what, it's the five-yard line, right? Absolutely. So, so you know what I mean? So you, you you have the ball right there, and the percentage of getting it in is pretty damn high, right? Especially when you have a 20-yard end zone. Um, you know, so whether they, they decide to go for, you know, like the PAT or two-point, it doesn't really affect me and probably most kickers in the league. I don't think they really care about that. I'd say the ones that it does affect you, which I, I started work on this past year, is the opposing offense throws a pick six, and all of a sudden, you know, say you haven't been warming up for a little while. Now you're like, oh, shoot, I have to go kick a PAT now. I haven't had any warm-up kicks yet. So what I like to do now is when the opposing team has the ball, I'll I'll just take – Two field goals, whether it's a punt, I'll take one punt and one field goal just to kind of get a feel for it because that happened to me twice last year, and thankfully I was able to put them both through. But at the same time, you don't have a choice to warm up if the other team throws a pick six, right? You have to get out there right away. So it's like grab your tee, get on the field, and kind of go through it. So you always have to be ready for that, you know, whether it's maybe, you know, every few minutes just getting, you know, it's not overkill. You want to, you know, overwork your leg, but just hitting a few, Every every few minutes of the game because you never know when you're going to get called upon because turnovers, as you know, are you know it happens all the time this game. It feels like so, you know, you always have to be ready, especially as a kicker. Always got to stay ready. Always got to stay ready. So Zach Madera's on uh, ready to answer a phone call for many teams. You haven't heard from any yet. No nibbles, bites from Not other teams. Yeah, no, no, I have. I, I've been in contact with a couple of teams. Obviously, I'm not going to say who they are right now, but hey, once right, I find fine. out, no, no, you're <laughs> once, I, once I find out what happens, and hopefully in the next few days or so, I will be more than happy to, to share that with you. Well, that, that would be uh, always forward to discussing that kind of stuff. He's Zach Madero, and Frank. Uh, we're talking the Canadian Football League, and at this part of the at this part of the show, we're, we're going to talk about what's going on around sport uh, in other areas. Uh, Zach considers himself a bit of an expert in some stuff, mostly being Flyer fan, but we'll forgive him about that. <laughs> After tonight, the Flyer season will begin because the championship will be decided. Yeah. Where, where, where is your money on that game? Say that again, sorry. I think you cut out there for a second. Oh, okay. Where's your money on the Bruins St. Louis game? Yeah, you know it's tough, but I I pick St. Louis. St. Louis. The reason why I say that, you know, if you look through the course of the playoffs, I don't think there's a better team than St. Louis rebounding off a loss every time. Whether it was against Winnipeg, uh, San Jose, 
Dallas, they always played so well coming off of Washington. Bennington just, you know, happened to always play weight. You know, he plays out of his mind every time they, they uh, came off the loss, too. So I think I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. Definitely not going to be a blowout. But I see St. Louis just coming together and pulling this one out. I don't disagree. And the reason I don't disagree is St. Louis has been the best road team, uh, I think, uh, since January. And a lot of the success that they've enjoyed has been winning on the road. So if the team that knows how to win on the road, it's St. Louis. If there's a team that plays the kind of game that a home team doesn't want to play, it's St. Louis. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know the thing is, too, is that you hear a lot of people, and I'll relate this, you know, I feel like I can do a better job relating this back to my time in Ottawa when we won the Great Cup that year, where our record wasn't maybe as great as other teams were. That's just the way like the, the East Division has been over the past few years. I think we were eight, nine, and one going into the playoffs, but we had home field advantage. But one thing about that year I remember is that everybody enjoyed everyone's company. We all got along. We were a tight group. We loved our coaching staff. We would run through a wall for them. And I feel like that's very similar with the Blues locker room. You look at their bench boss and Craig Berube and the way that the players feel about him, it's the same feeling that they do anything for him. And he gets them, he gets their motor going every game. And, you know, when we hear them as, as a team and the, camaraderie in, the, in their uh, locker room. It seems that everyone enjoys everyone's company. They all get along great. You know, even when when they were last in the league in January, they, they always had that belief that they're, they're going to get to the, this point by, by June, which is crazy to believe when you're in last place. But that, that's the belief they had in the locker room. And I mean, when the team as as tight as, as they are and they're kind of firing on all cylinders like they are right now, I, I they're, they're a tough team to stop. And I think as good as Boston is, I just think St. Louis is just too good. All right. Well, uh, if you're a Boston fan, you're going to say, oh, they've got a lot of experience playing in game seven. In fact, uh, uh, Chara is, is the most, has the most experience of any player playing game seven. So, you know, uh, they've got a, oh, a good shot. They know what to do. They've been there before. What? I don't want to hear that. I don't. You know. Okay. Well, what happened to Tampa Bay this uh, postseason? Familiar Columbus, and Tampa Bay has been a team who who's been in the Cup final. They've been in the Conference final. I, I think that only goes to like a certain a, a, like uh, extent. You know what I mean? I don't think the whole. I don't know. I don't really buy into that whole. You know, the the experience will will win it out. I think just whoever wants it will get it. You don't think so? Oh no 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 no! I I was speaking from a Boston fan or a Boston support perspective, oh, okay. not from mine. Gotcha. Uh, you know, I mean, we've got to get, we've got to give the listeners an, uh, another another vision, if you will, and this isn't just St. Louis, St. Louis. Um, but if Boston has something, very simply, I, I believe this: if they have a, an opportunity to win, it'll be because of their experience, and it'll be because they're home and they and they play the way they can. It is my hope, unfortunately, these Stanley Cup playoffs have not been the execution on the ice has been troublesome for the striped, striped shirt guys. Um, the team on the other hand have played pretty well, but it's been that kind of uh, year as far as the officiating is concerned. Hopefully it will go up uh, with a bang, and the kind of bang nobody wants to be a part of. Hopefully the officiating will be a factor in this game, um, and that's something that you know, I think we all hope for, but it's been a bit of a problem, but we'll see if that's a factor. 
Well, you know what? I, I think a game of this magnitude, I, I feel like especially if you're a ref, I mean, you have to put the whistles away too. You know what I mean? Unless it's like a clear-cut penalty where, you know, there, there's no way you can kind of justify it. You have to say, you know what? Let's put them away. We know it's going to be a battle. Like both, this is the last game. This is it. This is the Stanley Cup, do or die. So I think, you know, with some little hack here and there. I couldn't disagree with you more. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with you more. That's, that's I don't hockey, agree with right? that at all. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. That's not hockey. That's that's right. a perception that people promote. You know, no. uh, every sport should be determined. Every sport should be determined by the rules being even-handed and consistent. When the rules are not even-handed is- and consistent, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You're saying what ninety percent of hockey fans say. You're, you're saying what ninety percent of the media says. I just oh, don't agree with it because I I think a penalty should be a penalty. And and the confusion begins when they let something go. That's where we end up in trouble, and that's where that's where everything starts going going off the rails. If the penalties are called and only what the only the penalties that should be called, right? And for being a penalty, they get in trouble because they call a five minute major on something on on someone not on an action that took place. You know this happens too often. The, the rules should. The rules should be consistent, and I think as a, as a, I would think as a player, when you go on the field, you'd want the predictability of the rule to be evident and practiced. I would think you don't want to, You want to, do you really? You really think that the rules should change because of the time of the year? As an athlete, listen, listen hockey is different in the fact that it, 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 the first of all, you can't compare it to football. I, I know you're not doing that, but football and hockey it doesn't no, really go. Right. No, I, I know that. I know that. I'm just using hockey as an example because I think if you're asked opposing teams, they they might say the same thing. Put, put the whistles down and let the guys play because you and I both know in season compared to playoffs, it's a different pace. It's a different level of hockey. Right. So you either want or you don't. So you're going to let certain hacks here and there go, and you have to because teams are playing harder. They're, they're playing much faster, up tempo, and that's just the way it is. I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. It should be steady. It should be. It should be consistent throughout the year, but at the same time, when you're playing for this trophy, yes, but you would hate for some lousy little call, like a, like a minor hook that you might call in season, you know, in October to be called in a, in a game seven overtime game. You're, you're telling me right now, it's at least when game seven in overtime and there's some little hook or some little minor splash on a guy's wrist and they, and they call that and they have scoring on a power play. Would you be okay with that? They, they did it. It happens. That's what happens. That's what happens that's, because in the playoffs, in the playoffs, they, 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 they call they call the game both loose and tight. That's the point that I'm. That's the only point I'm trying to make is that during the playoffs, they call it loose and tight, and it alternates between loose and tight. And then the explanation became a few years ago. They were saying, well, as as the game begins to get to closer to the end. They start to put the whistle away. It's all an excuse, as far as I'm concerned, for ineffectiveness and poor work, poor workmanship. They referees be the, the calls should be more robotic, in my, my opinion. Uh, the predictability, I, I think, is something that the fans wouldn't be irritated about, because regardless of what happens, what happens if they don't call it or do call it, that just enhances the, the you know the irate nature of the coaches. 
players. Like that's what's happening now because the officiating so inconsistent. You know, there's people have a people are are being uh, heard and, being, and they're allowed to say it. Look at Boston, the 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 slew foot that wasn't called. I mean, it's not something. Yeah. It's not something I find and and, and I. Right, that right, but I, I honestly believe that putting he the actually didn't away. even see it. I don't think he even saw it. Or he just didn't think it was enough to be a penalty, but... Oh. Still there? Hello? Hello? 